we are drawing near to you. We know by your word that you are drawing near to us. That you're healing our hearts, you're healing our wounds. God, you're healing our bodies, our minds, God. Replacing anxiety for peace because it is well with our soul, God. Because you are with us. You are Jehovah Jireh, God. You are everything that we need. God, we thank you for your nearness, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. That as your sons and daughters, you don't forget about us and you have good things for us. God, we lean in this morning to draw closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Kids, you guys can be dismissed.
as we follow along and we're, we're looking back to, to Jesus' story that he shares that uh, it is, is the, one of the examples as he shows us and tells us what it means to be the neighbor. And last week, we kind of dove into this in kind of a strange way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And today, we're going to another one of the books that Paul gives us. It'd be even a little more different. And, and, and when I first started looking at it, I'm like, I'm not sure how this fits in here. And the more I read it, I'm like, okay, this is awesome. This is just teaching me one more thing. So a question to begin with with me and you this morning. So this is as big for me as it is for you, but how do people really see you? I mean, when, when people get to know you, what, what do they really see? Who, who is that person that they see? Get rid of, uh, get rid of all the, the, the fancy clothes and the hairstyles or the, the, the whatever it is that makes us look like we look from the outside. How do people really see you? What? What? And maybe the biggest question, and I don't think it's a maybe in there at all, but the biggest question is, is not just how do people see you or, or what do you want them to see you like. But if Jesus were standing right in front of you to testify as to who you really are and what's really going on in your heart and what's really going on in your mind and your spirit, what would that testimony be? Would he say... That I'm the neighbor? Would he say that you are the neighbor? So let's dig in. This We've only got a few minutes. So I want to dig and I want to dig quickly. And I hope that you uh, signed in so you've got the outline with your mind. I hope you find something to write with because there's a few things that I want to make sure that we get as we walk through these scripture passages. But as we walk through 1 Corinthians 13, I saw a couple of things that we looked at last week. And if you didn't get to see it, please go back. And learn from that so you can learn how to be the neighbor. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 13, the, the first two emphasis were on being patient and being kind. And really a very different definition than what we're used to when you actually look at it in the whole of Scripture and in the, the, the Greek nuances that are given there. It teaches us something different. And then we went on to what it means to truly forgive because we've been forgiven. And then we walked one more step and it was about protecting those around us, the neighbors, the people we run into, the people we live with, but for a very specific purpose, so that they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ by grace and faith in Him alone. That's 1 Corinthians 13. That's what it was all about. Today, we dig deeper on the how of loving people, uh, the how to be the neighbor. Paul teaches, preaches, whatever you want to say in Romans chapter 12. And in all my years, I've never taken this one and understood exactly what it meant from this perspective on how to be the neighbor. But it makes a whole lot of sense. I want you to hang on with me as we go through this. We're starting in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. So if you got your Bibles, please go there with me. Pull it up on your phone. If you don't, you can look at it right here on the screen behind me. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, the first question that I have to ask when I read this is, who's Paul talking to? Well, first of all, in this passage, it is very clear that he's talking to, if you will, if 
we read King James for a minute, he's talking to the brethren. He's talking to the brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are connected by faith in Jesus Christ, which is the vast majority of us in this room, the vast majority of us that are watching online. We're connected by faith in Christ. It's the one that we don't have anything else in common. That's what we've got. Now, in order to, to truly get who he's talking to and why he's talking to him this way, you need to take a step back from Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 and back up to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And you'll see what's happened to these people so you'll know why he has this expectation of, well, this is how you love people. This is how you do the neighbor. So back up to verse 1 and it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, there's the brethren, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Going on. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. By making yourself a living sacrifice for him, it's truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So it's starting here. It's Holy Spirit work here that affects our heart, that affects what we do. The last part there says this. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, that's a lot. That's big. That's a lot for us to take in. Our lives and everything about them are intended to be living sacrifices to a holy God that brings him honor. That's his desire for us. And this changes the way that we neighbor. At least it ought to better. It should. It needs to change the way that we be the neighbor. Our lives are not to look like this world, the customs of this world that he said, because we are supposed to let God transform us. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, I make all things new. So if you were in Christ, something should have happened. There should be a difference in the way you think, the way you act. So Jesus wants us to learn to live transformed thinking. To look at your neighbor differently. And as a follower of Jesus, we learn the reality of faith working through love as we run into people day in and day out, as we live with people day in and day out, as we school with them, as we work with them. We learn to work through love. We learn to know God's will. Here's what this is supposed to look like. And again, I'm kind of going super simple this week because it's so important that we get this. Here's number one on your outline. All the words together, all the letters together in it make up six. <laughs> Be real. Be real. The problem with people, and what I see in this society today, is that people call themselves Christians, but it's not real. So when other people who want to be Christians or think they might need something, they look at it and they're like, clearly I just happened with them. Why would I want that? I mean, I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. Because it's not real. Now here's the deal, and you know this, you can't fake love. You can for a minute to get what you want or to get where you want to go. 
fake love. You can't pretend to love someone even as a neighbor. It will eventually be seen. The mask will be pulled off, if you will, at some point. They'll, they'll catch you. They'll catch you in the lie. The word here, matter of fact, if you've got the whole uh, Christian standard, the Christian standard Bible, it says the word hypocrisy. Don't pretend. It means the same thing, but hypocrisy hits a little harder, doesn't it? It, it weighs a little heavier on our heart. The evil heart behind this kind of, of neighbor would allow them to catch the line. Matter of fact, you would do what you would do in order so people would see what you've done so that they might say that, wow, you, you are really good. And the light's put on you. And you are glorified in it, which is hypocrisy. It makes people look at you and say, oh, I wish I could be like them. Until they see you in the background. Until they cover that mask clipped off. Chuck Swindoll says the easiest way to get this. This kind of love is, well, it's hypocritical. And the genuine love is unhypocritical. It's not hypocritical. It's not anything like that. It looks, it, it, it's genuine. It, it can't fake it. It, it, it. it might shed a tear. Genuine love. Genuine love might lose sleep over somebody who's not where they need to be with Christ. Genuine love. The kind of love that Paul is asking us to live out here, or the person he's calling us to be here because Christ has transformed us, is Philos. It's, it's brotherly love. It is your family. Now I realize that some of us come from family situations that are not so great, but the kind of family that Jesus talks about is a family that looks out for each other. It's a family that's got the other's back. It's a family that's willing to sacrifice within that family for the sake of others. That is philos. That is brotherly love. And then you get to the end of verse 10. He says, take delight in honoring each other. God, what does that mean? Take delight in honoring each other. Here's the basics of what it means. It means to celebrate other human beings. It means to celebrate who God made them. Specifically aligned with his word and his creation and who he is. It's the uniqueness of the spiritual gifts that God puts in one that he manifests in somebody else and makes them unique, makes them who they are. Make a big deal about others. And again, it has to be real. You can't fake this. If you fake this, people are going to know it like in the second word that comes out of your mouth. They're going to know this. The Greek here literally means uh, when it says to uh, uh, show preference to them. It literally means to give preference to one another. It's like a, a friendly challenge to outdo one another in love. It's like that's what Jesus is calling you. You know, you 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 want to you want to you want to bow up and try to be better than somebody or something. Let's genuinely love some people in Christ. Let's let's be that man. Let's be that woman. Let's be that father, that mother, that brother, that sister, that kind of friend. It's who he wants us to be. So just being real. Some of us have chosen to die. 
Some of us have chosen a, a hill to die on. And when we choose one, it's often something that makes no difference for eternity. There are politics that we choose to die for. What about the one that walked on this earth that really never was much of a politician at all, even though he was pushed that way over and over again? Why not that hill? The hill of Christ. Choose the ones that really matter. Choose the ones that make a difference for the kingdom. This kind of love is not something that we just do outside the home and inside the body here at our church. And something has to happen inside our home. And you know it, this can be the hardest place. With some of the toughest to love. But our challenge is to love people. It's plural. It's inclusive. It is those people that live inside those four walls that you live with. It is those people that are tough to love at school and work and in this world and at the car dealership when they're, or at the mechanics when they don't fix it right. It's all of those people. Matter of fact, Philippians 2 and verse 3, Paul says it like this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You see, what I see in this is the element of being a neighbor may be the single most attractive characteristic of the true believer. Being the neighbor. Loving people like Jesus would love them. People see enough fake. People see enough pretense. People see enough... You see what I'm saying? They see enough from the so-called church. Be the neighbor as you be the church. Then Paul takes this challenge a little bit further. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, this hit some of us, including me on the weekend. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The problem with this little short passage in Romans chapter 12 is you could take about one of these verses and you could go all day long with it. But here's what he's saying in this right here. This is number two on your outline. Be ready to help. Be ready to help. Be ready to. Be on alert so that that is just who you are. No matter the cost, you're ready. These are not your typical neighbors. Paul is talking about helping other believers specifically right now. But he says, don't be lazy. He says, work hard. He says, serve with passion. With a smile on your face, maybe even crazy like. Remembering and celebrating what we have in common and what we have in common the thing we just talked about hope in Jesus the Christ it somehow through the power of the Holy Spirit with every song we've 
did this morning that pulled us back into that direction of realizing where that hope comes from. And that we have that one thing in common. And he says, be patient and always be praying. If you look back at verse 13, the idea there is that when you see a need within the body of Christ, Jesus wants you to be a part of the answer. A lot of times. He wants you to be a part of the answer. But I'll also tell you this, and he just wants you to be the answer. Even though Christ is the answer and it's Christ working through you, it's not going to seek somebody else to help you help them. It's just being the answer, being that help, being that ear, being that hug, being that, that listener, being that encouraging word can be that simple to be the neighbor. When I first read this, I think about one word that comes up in the church, and, and uh, it's benevolence. That's really what this is. When you see somebody with a need, you meet it. So maybe, maybe we need to separate that word just a little bit. Maybe be benevolent. You see where I'm going with that? We need to be that person. It's intended to help people in our body outside the church and inside the church when tough times strike. And this church does a fantastic job of that. There's always money ready to go to help people when they get in that tough place they never were expecting to get. Or help with bills or something happens in their house or you are amazing. God is using you to help and love people like that. I've watched for almost 40 years now, like many of you in this room have, the church work and serve together or not work and serve together. I've seen both extremes for over three decades now. Four decades now. The uh, the serve days, the I love my church days, the opportunities to help someone individually to, to, to step up and say I'll help with a certain ministry. I've watched that over and over and over again. I've, I've challenged people and you've challenged people and you've been that person. But yet the statistics overall for the church still end up being the same. That somehow about 80% of the work within the body of Christ gets done by less now than 20% of the people that are there. I'm just saying, that ain't being the church. And I think we're a little different here, but I don't know that we're a lot different here. But I know that's what God's calling us to be, to be that be benevolent person, to meet the needs where the needs are, to go where the neighbor is. And I'm afraid we as Christians, not necessarily just here, but we've become better at making excuses of why we won't. They just say not good. Find your spot. Get in the game. I don't want that to be the stat of the church, and I certainly don't want that to be the stat of the road. I think about it like this. One last note on verse 13. He says, be eager to practice hospitality. Okay, hospitality. We've got a hospitality team. We, we trust them to help us get together and eat and fellowship and have a good time. I'm just telling you, that is not what that word means. It uses uh, philos again. The, 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 the Greek word is actually philonexia. 
Philos means friend, it means loving, like a mate, like a like a brother. But Zenos, it means stranger. Love like a brother is a stranger. I'm just telling you that makes an attractive body of Christ. Love like a brother to stranger. It means you're a friend of strangers. Be the better. Romans 12 and verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like the way it's going already, but listen to what he says. Bless those who curse you. And bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. This is a strange one, but there's a lot of truth here. Number three, be the peace guy. Be the peace guy. Now, there's a few things that need to be clarified here. Verse 16, he says, live in harmony with each other. Verse 18, he says, live in peace with each other. The thing that is not happening here, because this was not the way Paul lived, I just want you to hear me on this, make this clear. Paul's not teaching us to be doormats. That's not what he's teaching us. For, for people just to walk on us. He didn't live that way. He stood for what mattered. We stand for what matters. We, we got a lot of stuff we need to let go, but we stand for what matters. What matters? The truth of his word. In a loving way, we handle that. We, we are to be, uh, to take that stand so that our lives are seen as honorable, not hypocritical, to be wise as you speak the truth in love. But he's also teaching us this, and this is equally important. He's teaching us to live a life of grace. I think we forget what we've been given. I think we forget the grace that we have been shown. I think we fail to remember that what has happened for us was and never will be deserved. That's how we can show grace in such a situation even though it is not deserved. We give it away now. We've been given it. How do we do this? Verse 14 says, Bless, don't curse those who are ripping you up further. Pray that God will bless them. And yes, that's really what he's saying. To pray for them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Think about who this person that might persecute us would be. It's the person at our work. It's the person at our school. And you're that person. You want to honor the Lord there. And you get ripped for it. The way you walk. The way you talk. The things you stand for. The people who are playing the game. Well, this stuff's not real in their life. Think of it this way. What it is. As long as you 
feel uncomfortable at that point. Not even trying to. It's a, it's a conscience. It may even be the Holy Spirit working in their life. But they're going to shred you at that point. In verse 15, it, it reminds us to enjoy people. All people. You may be smarter, stronger, spiritually. You may have a lot more. You may have a bigger title. But in Jesus, we are equal. And he says, love people that way. And the opposite is true as well. They may not be as strong as you. They may not be as smart as you. They may not be as popular as you. And you know what he says? Yeah, those people too. We honor and demonstrate love to them as well. Warren Wiersbe said it like this. Paul reminded them that they must enter into the feelings of others. This is weird. Think about this though. Christian fellowship is so much more than a pat on the back and a handshake. It means sharing the burdens and the blessings of others so that we all grow together and glorify God. Where we are. As we are. That's what we're supposed to do. So uh, people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's where people really are. Remember the grace you've been given. And then freely give it away. Last verse is right here. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous God of anger. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, he will heap holes of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil with good. And number four, that's it. Be the conqueror. But by being the conqueror, it's not you doing it. It's Jesus doing it through you. It's him doing what we can't do. It's letting him have it. Stop fighting your own battles. If you are walking with Jesus, you remember who that battle belongs to? We sing it in here. That battle belongs to the Lord. And we let him have that. Uh, verse 21, if we try to win this battle on our we lose. But we become the neighbor by doing the right. We do it by loving Jesus. We win this battle because Christ has changed us. We do it by loving people. And the last thing is this. We trust Jesus to do what only he can do. It has to happen like that. Loving people and trusting Jesus. Loving people and trusting Jesus. I don't know about you, but for me, this is for me, this is so much bigger than I am. It's so far out of my control. What he's called me to do. But by that transformed life that he gives me. And be real
Goodness, sing all my life. 